Today, we're talking about one of my all-time favorite topics, culture. We know that culture is the unseen competitive advantage that sets winning teams and organizations apart. But in my experience, one of the most overlooked aspects of organizational culture is in the language and the stories that we tell. My guest today is former Senior Vice President of Culture and Communication for Southwest Airlines, Ginger Hartage. And she believes that the stories we tell are crucial in building the culture that we want. Ginger retired as a Senior Vice President of Culture and Communications at Southwest Airlines after an illustrious 25 years, where she served as a member of the CEO's executive leadership team. At Southwest, Ginger led a team of 150 people responsible for building and sustaining the organization's legendary culture and communications enterprise. During her tenure, she played a crucial role in developing and maintaining Southwest's culture, leading to the company's numerous recognition on Fortune's most admired companies in the world list appearing for 23 consecutive years and included on Glassdoor's best places to work list in 22 for the 13th consecutive year. Throughout her career, she's received numerous accolades, including induction into the Public Relations Hall of Fame and being named one of Texas's most powerful and influential women. She was also recognized by PR Week multiple times in its top 50 power list and the 50 most powerful women in public relations. I cannot tell you how delighted I am to have her on the podcast today. Ginger, welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. Shane, I followed you and now I get to talk to you. I'm so excited to be on um, on the podcast with you today. I am looking forward to this conversation, mostly a little bit, maybe a little bit selfishly because I love organizational culture and team culture. And so I feel like we have this common language that we're about to dive into. It might just be two culture geeks nerding out on culture. Um, but before we do that, can we kick off with three fast facts? The questions are, where were you born? Uh, what was your first job? And then what do you do now? Great. Yeah. Shane, I was born and you're probably telling from my accent, it was somewhere in the south of the United States. I was born in Texas. My parents uh, were into farming and ranching, but we also had a grocery store. So I um, literally grew up out in a rural part of Texas and my parents had a grocery store. So I like to say I also grew up in a grocery store because I got exposed to their business and them having a great customer service early on. So that was great. My first job was, you know, that I got any money for was mowing cemeteries. Because we lived really, you know, out in the country, there wasn't a lot of opportunities in high school. Uh, So my girlfriend and I uh, got a contract and we started mowing the local cemeteries. Um, And that was uh, part of my, that entrepreneurial spirit early on. So I I think I've gone a long way from that. And what I focus on now is creating, working with organizations. My uh, company is Unstoppable Cultures and work with organizations and creating great cultures, Uh, work with leaders on uh, who really want to make a difference in their organizations and do it uh, with their people, alongside their people, 
And in doing so, they really change the lives of the people who get to work in those organizations. I'm, I'm so looking forward to what I think will be an introduction for a lot of people here in Australia. But obviously, there's people who listen to this podcast around the world who will obviously know you. And, and there's a good chance people who are listening to this will have heard about you before. But for some people here in Australia, um, they may not know of you, but they, they definitely at some point would have bumped into I guess, the product of a lot of your work. And so can we maybe like just, I guess, connect the dots between what you do now and where you first started and maybe give people a little snapshot about your career? Yes, I'd be glad to. Well, I didn't start at, at my dream job. I started, I had several, as many of us do out of college, different experiences, but I was in the communications field. I worked uh, on internal communications, external communications, and public relations. And in 1990, I landed my dream job at Southwest Airlines, which was then becoming, uh, you know, on the way to becoming uh, what it did become, which was the largest airline carrying the most people in the United States. So Southwest focused on, and that at that time we were saying low fares and high spirits, but it, it's become an incredible airline. And I had the pleasure of working there for 25 years. So transitioning from the communications area and in, in also into the culture. But I think at Southwest, and in all great cultures, everyone in the organization works on culture. And that certainly was the case at Southwest. I had the privilege of working with our founder, Herb Kelleher, and Colleen Barrett, who was the first female president of a United States airline. And she led the culture of the organization. I, I had the privilege of following her in that and also working with Gary Kelly, who became the CEO of Southwest in 2004. So really great leaders uh, that I got to, got to work with during my time there. What I love about every experience that I've heard of about Southwest Airlines is that it really became well recognized as a great place to work. I mean, if we were to kind of list some of the accolades of Southwest Airlines, I think one of the ones I read was 23 years in the top 10 most admired company in Fortune, uh, 13 consecutive years in Glassdoor's best places to work. I mean, there's just a couple of the big accolades that Southwest Airlines was noted for. Those are definitely true. I remember uh, working on Fortune's best places to work early on and uh, securing the top position. That was, you know, something that that uh, was just so reinforcing to our employees who were living that culture and creating that culture every day. So it, it, as you know, it takes a combination of great leaders, uh, leaders who want to put their people first and realize that it is the behaviors of their people that are going to enable their incredible brands. And uh, at Southwest, we really focused on making sure that our employees had the level of information where they could act like owners because anytime any of us are interacting with a company, that employee is representing that company to us then. And just making sure that our employees knew that at every turn, that when they were inter interacting with the company, they were Southwest Airlines at that moment. One of the questions that I, when I go on a podcast, I'm continually asked by people is it's the first question, and it makes sense that it's the first question people ask. They always go, Shane, tell us 
how do you define organizational culture? And so, because I guess there is this elusive nature to culture. Uh, when we talk about it, I, I say it's really easy to describe, but really hard to define. When you go into an organization like Southwest or even in Unstoppable Cultures, when you go into a business right now, how do you get on the same page with people to talk about what we mean when we talk about culture? Yeah, well, it's I always start out by trying to understand what they think it is. What it is, is how we experience an organization. And I, I just said it a moment ago, it's, it's the behaviors of our people. So it's creating in a culture, it's creating culture intentionally and making sure that everyone in the organization, and that can be organizations of 10,000 people, 60,000 people, where they understand the mission of the organization their role in helping bring that mission to life. And um, so it's the behaviors, the consistent behaviors of our people that create that consistent brand over time. It's a, re it's a really nice picture of culture because I think when most people are talking about the culture that they want to create, more often than not, they're talking about a particular set of behaviors that they're currently experiencing and a set of aspirational behaviors that they would like to see more of. And when you go into an organization like Southwest or any large organization, what was it like initially? H how did you get a read on where the culture was? Because I'm guessing the culture changed a lot during your time there. How did you know where it was and get an accurate read of that? And then how did you even go about changing something which is so significant at the time? How I figured out how the culture was, was, you know, in my, in the interview process, funny story, I was interviewed with Herb Kelleher, Colleen Barrett, and I felt great about the interview. I knew I wanted the job. And then I didn't hear from them. And I thought, oh my gosh, what's gone wrong? And I get a call from someone um, saying, you know, introducing themselves as a vice president of Southwest Airlines. And I'm sitting here waiting on you for your nine o'clock interview and you're not here. And I just went, oh my gosh, what, what happened? And then he started laughing and he said, because I realized I didn't tell you to be here. And, you know, he said, I forgot to tell you about the interview. And he said, I, we, we really want to get you into the company. So I need to interview you. And so that's when I realized I was, you know, with a company that was really didn't take itself too seriously and was honest and it's honest and authentic. I mean, he could have made up any kind of line. He just, but he had fun with it. And he, and he told me the truth. And then on my very first day at Southwest, uh, or the first week, it was my first week, I come out and we had had one of those, we get sudden ice storms sometimes in Texas, just, you know, sudden ice storm. And I came out and there was ice everywhere on my car. An employee, you know, saw me with my credit card because I didn't have an ice scraper trying to get, you know, ice off my windshield. And I said, can I, can I borrow your ice scraper? And she said, no, but I'll come help you. But, you know, so she was, she was like, you know, giving me a hard time. Absolutely. I'll be right there. And that's when I knew I was on a different planet with these, uh, that kind of authenticity and that kind of a, a approach. So that's what we're going for is not a cookie cutter culture, but the kind of culture that is authentic to your organization and what you're looking for about setting up those values. So at Southwest, back then, when I joined in the 90s, we didn't have an articulated set of values. We had a mission statement and we had 
great consistency at that time in the culture in the next 10 years ended up really describing our values, articulating those values, talking about them. And early on, we articulated those as looking for a warrior spirit, because in in the airline industry, we work hard. You're, you know, in 60 degree uh, weather one day, and you're in Washington or Baltimore with freezing weather. So it's a, you have to have a warrior spirit because you're in all kinds of conditions and it's an on-time business. We're also looking for, we described it as servant's heart, looking for employees who uh, wanted to serve others because we were in the customer service business. And like the previous story I told you, we're looking, um, it was a, we're looking for a fun, loving attitude. Employees who didn't take themselves too seriously, who took the business seriously, but had a good time with their customers. So it's important to have a really strong set of values and how you describe those. So for companies who haven't worked hard enough on their values, that's where I would lean in uh, with that consistency of articulating the values, articulating the behaviors that lead up to those values, and then becoming very robust in the storytelling that allows people to see the limitless ways that they can go to serve the customer. It's the storytelling that really does bring that to life because so many organizations, they communicate plans or processes. You know, I've never seen anyone too inspired by a PowerPoint or a plan. People are inspired by stories. So how do we use storytelling to really bring our culture to life and show people what it looks like, telling the story of how a, an employee interacted with a customer, taking a customer story and uh, sharing that back in the organization, uh, the customer's view of how an employee really did make a difference and help them with a particular issue. So how are we using those stories to inspire our people and really show them and lead them toward the change we're looking for? I'm so glad you've brought in this topic around communication, because when we look at what your role was, it was culture and communication. And most people would ask, well, how do those two roles go together? And I would say intricately, <laughs> they are so interwoven to each other when it comes to culture. When I, I did a lot of my research for Let's Talk Culture here in Australia, my book, um, one of the questions we asked was, you know, what do you think contributes to building a healthy and strong culture within an organization? And the least common response from people was some sense of shared organizational language or this way of being able to, I guess, share stories and and the, the role of communication in culture. And I was so surprised by that because I felt like it was such a missed opportunity in organizations. And so to hear you talk about storytelling, I think it's such a crucial component of culture. And how did you embed that sense of storytelling into the design of the culture in both Southwest and even the work that you do now? One of the things I do a lot of now is keynote speaking and I'm speaking to audiences. So I build those stories and help help bring those examples to life through stories. So when I when I work with organizations and you hit on it, Shane, in your research, there is not always an understanding that one of the fastest paths to reaching the culture that you want to have is being very clear in your communication. 
And so it's on several levels. Being clear about your values. Somewhere I go into some organizations and they have 10 values. And I, I think that's very hard for employees to remember. Employees can remember easily three things or five things to focus on, but giving somebody 10 things to focus on can sometimes distort or cause some issues in remembering that. If I'm working with an organization, I'm wanting to make sure that if it's human resources who is leading the culture initiatives or the CEO's office, that the communications office is also clearly tied into that um, because they have the channels, the vehicles to bring bring all of that together. So um, I've mentioned Colleen Barrett earlier, and one of the things she did early on with, with Southwest is follow through on the processes that will allow you to capture the stories. And that's where a lot of organizations um, might be faltering because it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, especially the larger your organization comes. How are you harvesting those stories? Some of the ways that Colleen started and we continue to carry on with it and build upon that was catching those stories. So if a story came in to our customer relations office, for example, uh, in the form of an email, we made sure that the employee who was mentioned in the email knew about it. Um, knew about what they'd done, and we recognized them and, and gave them the proper recognition. Of course, you thank the customer. And then if there's an opportunity to tell that story to a larger audience, um, do it. So here's an example of that with Gary Kelly, who became CEO of Southwest in 2004. And Gary was already inside Southwest Airlines and creating and communicating the kind of culture he wanted to carry on uh, with Southwest as well, continuing to build upon that. So to make sure employees got to know him better as a CEO, he uh, started a weekly call to employees. And so back then, think back then, uh, people had flip phones. If you can, you know, some of, some of the people listening were born then. But back in that time, we had flip phones. And so uh, he would record a message so employees could hear his voice, hear his excitement. And But one of the things he did, he always ended those calls with a shout out. And that was a story. It was a shout out about something an employee had done, something that another employee had written in uh, or told him face-to-face, -face, a story about an something another employee had done. But he always in ended those calls with a shout out that modeled the kind of behavior that reinforced the values. So modeling that kind of behavior that we're always looking for. So with the channels we have today, a long way from a flip phone, you know, so leaders today, they are out on their internets, they're out on their YouTube channel. I encourage people to look at great leaders and what they're doing on LinkedIn. Uh, so one of the leaders I follow is the CEO of McDonald's Corporation, for exam example, Chris Kamchinsky. And Chris isn't selling hamburgers or McDonald's on LinkedIn. He is selling the culture of McDonald's. So look at leaders and what they're saying about their organizations when you follow them on LinkedIn, their YouTube channel, Instagram, all the many ways 
that we have to get our stories out. So it goes back, work closely with the communications and marketing teams of your organizations because you're forming your culture way before you hire someone. You're forming that culture in their mind about how you're showing up on Glassdoor, how you're showing up on LinkedIn. So hiring starts early on. Hiring starts before you ever get someone in the door. So how are you showing what it's like to work in your organization early on before someone even thinks about putting in a job application at your company? One of my prior guests, Beck Brown, said a statement that I've always really loved. She said, we're not responsible for what other people think about us, but we are responsible for the story that we project to the world. And what I love about seeing great CEOs or great leaders in organizations who talk regularly about their culture online is that I think you captured it when you, you said it best, when you, you start to attract the people to your organization, they're going to be a really great contributor to the culture that you're trying to build. And it's really clear and explicit for people who want to join, join your organization that this is what I'm getting into when I join uh, an organization because the culture feels very, very clear. There is an ex a story that I, I learned when I was writing the book, and it was a story about a Scrabble player based in the US um, named Nigel Richards. And he was competing and he's, he's been called the greatest Scrabble player of all time. And he was competing in a French tournament, which was competing in Scrabble in French. And he was so good. He spent nine weeks memorizing the French dictionary to the point where he could correct French players' words during the competition. What stood out to me about the story is that once he had finished the competition and won the French competition, he went to do a press conference but needed a French translator because he couldn't speak French, um, despite having just won the French tournament. And it led me to this idea that it's possible to know all the words, but not really be able to speak the language. And what you're... What you talk about so nicely is that like when we tell stories and when we bring and are really intentional about our communication, we give people a common language to be able to talk about our culture. Was, was that your experience? Absolutely. And that's a best in class experience. And the other element I would bring into that and you're, you hit upon it is really looking at that the employee journey, every step in the employee journey, and how are we reinforcing the culture at every step? So we talked about before hiring, but it, in the hiring process, in the onboarding process, you know, how are we making sure that that first day, that onboarding process, that people really do get a strong sense of our culture in those, in their early days of onboarding with us? But then continue, don't let it drop, continue to reinforce it at their one-year mark and different milestones throughout their process. One of the things that uh, we did at Southwest was talking about our culture and our values was part of the performance discussion. So, you know, here I was, I reported the CEO, but in my performance discussion, we talked about how, how I was living the values of the company. And you literally, you know, what are we measuring? And one of the things we were measuring was how our leaders, I have a friend who says leaders cast a long shadow. And so how are our leaders really portraying the organization to their people? Because that's, um, they, they do cast a long shadow and nothing can turn an organization toxic faster than leaders not setting that type of example in our organization. So for those leaders who might be hearing this and think, oh, culture, that's somebody else's job. Now, if you're a leader, 
If you're a leader in your organization, culture is part of your job description and it is part of your job. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. If you think back to your experiences, you've talked a little bit about stories and and language and connecting those stories to your organization's values. Was there any stories that you as a leader told regularly that were part of your, almost like your signature stories for your team that were highlighting the culture at Southwest? Any story that comes to mind for you as an example of what what, what does a culture story look like? You know, Shane said there are two lessons in the story that immediately came to mind. And it was how you can really reinforce your culture through recognition. And how do you use recognition to reinforce the, the kind of behaviors you're looking for? So um, we had a program at Southwest called Winning Spirit. And what it was, was when we would get those stories in, and probably there were 40,000 stories average that came in every year that mentioned an employee. We got 40,000 customers took the time to send in a story that mentioned uh, one of our employees, that mentioned one of our employees. 40,000 customers did that. And so the best of those best stories rose up to a program called Winning Culture. And in one of those, um, so you bring the employees in who are going to be recognized for winning culture. And one of them that I always remember was a story that came in from a family. And they said, you have no idea the difference your pilot made in the life of our family. Where is that going? So the story continues that the pilot was at the ticket counter and realized something was going on with with a customer. The customer is trying to travel with their small pet. And on Southwest, you can travel with your pet if it's in a in a pet carrier, has to be in a carrier, unless it's it's, you know, for an ADA issue, uh, a disability issue, for example. But if it's if it's up just your pet, normal pet, it goes in a carrier. And so the pilot just paid for the pet carrier and went on his way. And we would never have heard that story at Southwest because the pilot just, you know, did what he thought was the right thing to do. But the family said, no, that was our brother. He was homeless and estranged, and he would never have gotten on that flight without his only possession, his pet. And so those are the kind of story, that was the kind of story that love to retell because it pulls on our heartstrings. We can remember it. And it shows us that you know, we can really make a difference in someone's lives. And so how, as employees, are are we given the freedom in our jobs to do something extraordinary? And the way I talk about that in my speeches or working with organizations, it's, I call it freedom in a framework. Because so often we focus on just the framework. Here's the job. So think about a 1-800 call you've been on where somebody's clearly reading the script, right? And they're not really processing or getting quickly to your to your problem. And how, what a difference it makes when they understand your problem and they, and they really try to help you solve it. So how are we helping our employees with freedom in a framework? So there wasn't a framework that said, you know, pilot by, by the, there wasn't a script for that. He went off script. He did the right thing in that moment. And so how are we allowing our employees to go off script, do the right thing, and uh, have that kind of freedom 
uh, to really delight and surprise our, our customers. And then how are we capturing those stories and retelling them so that that is the kind of behavior that is honored, rewarded, and heralded within our organizations? Is that, I mean, so a couple of things that potentially people in Australia might have bumped into with Southwest has been, there's been a number of videos that have gone viral because of some of the flight attendants who've kind of gone a little bit off script when it comes to the safety demonstrations or things like that. Is that an example of that framework and freedom? Yes. And, you know, actually, when I was at Southwest, we didn't call it that. Since I've left Southwest, uh, that is how I have branded it because it helps me explain that to organizations because I think we have a lot of leaders who are very script-driven and uh, are framework-driven and it's just encouraging them to allow, they hired their people. We, we're hiring adults here, right? And they, they hired them for a particular reason. Let's let them use every ounce of their personality and their creativity because they'll be so, they'll be so much more effective and happy in their jobs. So yes, the, the flight attendants um, weren't, weren't taught these funny scripts. They can According to the Federal Aviation Administration, which we have here in the States, when you're giving that in-flight announcement, there are certain things you have to cover because it's for the safety of your customers. But our flight attendants knew that if they sang some of, the, uh, some of that message or they put a little joke with some of that message, uh, that people remembered it and they actually listened as opposed to a very monotonous, monotone uh, delivery. So, so one of the ways they might have said, you know, instead of say, don't smoke on the aircraft, you know, if you want to smoke, you'll have to go out on the wing, right? You know, so, you know, getting, getting their attention, making, making fun of it and making sure they understand and, uh, but doing it with, with a, not taking themselves too seriously, going back to that fun loving attitude once again. What I like about that is it, is it, is it does allow people to bring something to the culture as opposed to something being very framework driven. It's, it's kind of like saying, well, this is the script of who you're supposed to be. It's actually allowing people to bring some of their creative expression. And, and those differences are the things that little nuances that make our cultures better in the long run. Do you, do you agree with that? Absolutely. Then that's what makes, makes us unique. Uh, that's what makes our brands memorable. And that's what makes our brands unique is how are we setting ourselves apart from our competitors? And that's definitely something that Southwest Airlines did early on and is still doing with the, the great leaders it has today. They're still doing that is creating those brand differentiators and uh, very often doing it through the people. One of the things that I'm hearing a lot in this conversation is about the the, the importance of recognition to help people understand what does our culture look like at its best and linking that recognition back to our organizational values. Now, I think values often get a really bad rap. They, people often say values are so pointless. They're so useless. Why, you know, they don't mean anything to anybody. What's your thoughts as to why values often are not seen in a great light by organizations? Two things come to mind. One is they weren't described adequately. They didn't take the time to describe what the behavior, what are the behaviors behind those values, and but the storytelling, bringing it to life. So they may not have gone to that that level. And the 
Second thing I see from time to time is the values aren't lived in the organization. So if, if they're not true and relevant and actually modeled by the leaders, then I can see why people don't want to have anything to do with the values because they're not honored. So much yes to all of that. The, the biggest challenge that I see with the leaders that I work with regularly is that the reason why the values don't stick is because no one really understands what they mean. And, you know, they might say, you know, we want to have these values of integrity, but everyone has a different interpretation of what integrity means, what it looks like. And we don't go that next level to define what those behaviors are and then to seek out and reward those behaviors and tell stories about those behaviors so that people can start to see them actually lived out in a meaningful way throughout the entire organization. The thing that I'm, I'm curious about is that obviously Southwest has won a number of awards for its culture being really great. I'm sure that there would be, maybe I'm, maybe I'm making assumptions, but I'm sure there would be elements of the culture that you didn't like during your time there. And you would have had to kind of find ways to change that. First and foremost, did you have areas of culture or was it a perfect culture? And if you didn't have areas of culture that you liked, what did you do to how to, to find those areas and start to shift and change that culture? No organizations have a perfect culture. I think that's, I mean, that's something we can strive for, but that's unrealistic. We're, we're always working on that. One of the things that I think as leaders, we might need to talk, you know, if we see changes coming in our organization, how are we building that into, into our cultures? So, for example, if, if an organization is based in Australia, but they are about to go global, so how, do, how are those leaders preparing their employees for that change? Because that will dramatically change the culture. So how do we start with that messaging? How do they start preparing the organization uh, for, for how that's going to change? So when, when I think about things that we might have worked on, sometimes uh, one of them was uh, with innovation. Because sometimes with innovation, how are we carefully managing that change management process with our employees so they understand the whys, the implications if we don't adopt this innovation, what might be happening? So many years ago, before we had self-service kiosk, everyone had to stand on a long line as ticket counter and our our expectations as customers were changing. People wanted to be, wanted a faster process and they were comfortable with being able to do some of that, those aspects themselves. So as we advance with innovation, how are we preparing our employees to see what that might look like? And a lot of it is going through a, a change management process, but it's also involving your employees in those changes. So I think it's harder to criticize an idea you helped create. So if we're going through a major change process and we're, or we're trying to change something in our culture, how are we involving our employees in that process so they get to have the pride of helping make that change and be part of it when it's actually put into place? So you might create it if you're having in your organization, you're about to introduce a new initiative or a new product. How are we involving our employees on the introduction of that? 
so that it really lands well, especially with our employees. Because if we focus first on on our employees, make sure they have the level of information, support, and training, they will take care of our customers. And our customers are going to be happy. And our shareholders and our stakeholders are going to be served. And that flywheel between employees, customers, shareholders, stakeholders will get going so much faster if we look really far up the food chain and make sure we're putting our emphasis on our employees. And we practice that model. And that's a lesson we learned from our founder, Herb Kelleher, early on at Southwest. And I share that story and that model because it's still relevant today. And I think as long as we have organizations and employees and customers, it will continue to be relevant that we focus first. Uh, you know, if you're going to have a major product launch and you're just focusing on your customers and you're not preparing your employees with all the training, the experience with the product, how are we, how are we fully integrating our employees so that they can be the best brand representative possible and all part of that change process? It takes more time. But the results are something. I know that sounds, that's said so succinctly, but that is a, a big and profound idea for whether it's change management process, whether it's about building culture. What I love about this is we often say, well, culture is everybody's responsibility, but then we often exclude people from the conversation. And what I like about what you just said there is if, if we're going to change culture, if we're going to launch a product, if we're going to expand a business, it makes sense to include the people who are helping us to be able to do that in the conversation about that nice and early rather than leaving them out of the conversation. I'm reflecting this conversation. I'd love to kind of bring this into land. I'm going to give you in a moment like 30 seconds or 40 seconds to stand on a soapbox and talk directly to any leader who is considering the role of culture in their organization right now and and consider what you might want to say to them. But before we do that, I think the things that have really stood out for me in this conversation have been about getting really, really clear and articulating your organizational values and behaviors. Because I think that can't be understated how important it is to not just allow people to interpret what our culture is, but really make it explicit and clear. And then what I've loved about this is just making sure that in every opportunity that you have and that you can to tell the story of what that looks like to live out that culture every day and celebrate it and see it and create more stories about it and capture stories about it and communicate it regularly to people uh, because it really does make the difference. So Ginger, if you had kind of 30 or 40 seconds talking directly to leaders right now about the importance of creating culture and building culture in their organization, what would you want to say to them? I'm saying good for you leaders because you are going to make a difference in your people's lives. Um, Because if you're able to create a workplace where people can authentically come to work, be themselves every day, their values are matching your organization's values, that is making sure you're bringing people into your organization who want to match your culture and live in that type of culture that it's going to set you up for such incredible success. Nothing is better for a leader uh, than to have really made a difference in, in someone's life, to see how they can be grow, how our people can grow as leaders and take on and lead the next generation of our organization. So good for you leaders who are setting up that type of success and succession. I I feel like you are, I know we've only had a a brief couple of conversations, but I feel like you are such a natural cheerleader for leaders and building unstoppable cultures. And 
I know people who are listening to this would love to stay in touch with you and your work and follow everything that you're doing uh, through Unstoppable Cultures. And I'll put all the details of how they can connect with you on LinkedIn and, and follow all of your work. But what's the best way for people to be able to connect with you if they say, oh, Ginger, we really need you to come in and talk at our conference or speak to our leadership team or work with our organization? How's the best? What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Well, LinkedIn is great. Even faster would be my website, which is unstoppablecultures.com. And, you know, um, send me send me a message um, or on LinkedIn. I, I would love that. So we would love to stay in touch. There is a, we have a master class in culture uh, that we conduct here in the United States. And uh, we have had people come from Australia. So, yes, uh, uh, well, uh, great leaders uh, wanting to create the best possible cultures that they can. And um, so I'd love to meet even more people as part of that process. And, and I'd, I'd like to have a chance to come meet you, Shane. That'd be great. So let's get, let's get, me, let's get me to Australia. Let's do that. Yes, absolutely. We should definitely make that happen. Ginger, it's been such a delight to have you on the podcast. You are uh, one of the people who I love following your work. I think we just are so aligned in how, in how we see culture and what we believe about culture. And so looking forward to kind of continuing our conversation and looking forward to, to introducing you to a whole bunch of people here in Australia. Thanks so much for joining me. Well, thank you, Shane. Thank you. Thanks for all you do. Love following you. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week.